Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Today's episode has been sponsored by Jay McLaughlin. Jay McLaughlin is a timeless lifestyle brand with incredible style and a spirit of connection. I am obsessed with Jay McLaughlin and have been so honored that they are sponsoring my Zibiverse tour. It just so happens that the tour goes to so many communities and areas of the country that have Jay McLaughlin stores. And I love that the brand is philanthropic through Jay McLaughlin's local and loyal programming host store events to give back to organizations that are meaningful to Jay McLaughlin's local communities. I also love the fact that the clothes are just so chic. They make me feel polished and modern. And the best part is that most of the line comes in fabrics that don't wrinkle. I especially love the dresses, the cashmere sweaters, the other sweaters. You'll see them all over my Instagram. I typically tag at Jay McLaughlin. And so you can check it out. It is absolutely one of my favorite brands and I am over the moon excited to be working with them. In fact, I want to share the love with all of you. Jay McLaughlin is giving 20% off new customers and listeners of my podcast with special code ZIBBY20, capital Z-I-B-B-Y 20. That's 20% off for new customers and listeners of the podcast with special code capital Z Zibby 20. Take advantage of it today. My favorites are this white open long cashmere sweater that I've been wearing on every flight that I've taken on this tour. I have a blue with light blue horizontal striped sweater, several dresses I even wore on Morning America. Check it out. Jay McLaughlin. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com and definitely check out those shows as well.
Marion Nessel is the author of Slow Cooked, An Unexpected Life in Food Politics. Marion is the Paulette Goddard Professor Emerita of Nutrition, Food Studies, and Public Health at New York University. She is the author of 15 books, mostly about food politics, and a frequent speaker and commentator on food system issues from agriculture to health. And please excuse me in this podcast because I had a bad cold and was stifling nonstop. Welcome, Dr. Nessel. I'm sorry, I could not bring myself to call you Marion because I, I just have so much respect. And anyway, thank you for coming on. Moms don't have time to read books to discuss slow cooked and unexpected life in food politics. Oh, I'm really glad to be here. And it's really okay if you call me Marion. Okay, okay. <laughs> thank you so much for sharing your whole life story and everything from the personal to the sort of political. It's all in here. And it was so fascinating to read. I've been following you for a long time. I worked with the Eating and Weight Disorder Center at Yale University with Dr. Kelly Brownell when I was an undergrad and worked at Weight Watchers for a time and got this integrative Institute for Integrative Nutrition degree. Anyway, I've had this long fascination with food and all that. So I've just been following you forever. So this is a real honor for me. (laughs) Well, glad to be here. Awesome. In the back of your book, you conclude by mentioning several things you don't like when interviewers ask you the questions you don't like asked. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to make sure I don't ask anything she doesn't like people to ask her. (laughs) So I will politely ask if you could describe sort of the reasons for writing this book and maybe we can go from there and just take it where where you want to take it. That's a, that's a softball question. Yeah, softball question. <laughs> I mean, the easy answer is the pandemic. When the pandemic hit, I moved out of Manhattan and moved upstate to be with my partner who lives in Ithaca, New York. And uh, it's very quiet up there. And I couldn't get into a library. My office was closed. The libraries were closed. The NYU libraries closed. The Cornell Library was closed. I couldn't do the kind of research that I usually do when I'm writing books. And I thought, okay, what do I do? What am I going to do here while I'm here? And then I thought, maybe this is a fabulous opportunity to rely on memory and try to answer the questions that I get asked all the time. How did you get interested in food? How did you get interested in nutrition? What made you do it? You know, did you always know that you wanted to do it? How do you feel about taking on the food industry? How do you feel about the way the food industry reacts to you? What should I do? I want to do what you do. How do I do it? Those kinds of questions, which I've I've always found, I've always kind of tossed them off and just given very casual answers to them. And I thought, well, maybe this is really a time to think about them since I get asked them so often by students and colleagues and reporters. Maybe it's this is a good time to really sit down and try to reflect on how what I did happened and what it means and what I think about it now. And that's what I did was a really interesting project. You know, I wasn't, I didn't have access to research materials or even any of my own papers. And I, I describe this as my first work of fiction. <laughs> because, you know, I relied on memory. Memoirs are about memory. Yeah, there's a real difference between memoir and biography. Biography is factual. Memoir is how you remember it. And this is how I remembered it. 
Wow. Will you start by taking us through how you grew up and then into your marriage and your, your marriages? And, you know, I was, I'm also, I'm divorced and remarried. I'm on, I mean, I'm hoping this is my last husband. So, but we'll see. You never know. Uh, no, I'm kidding, Kyle, if you're listening. But one of the things I was really struck by was you're trying to, I mean, I hate the word balance, but how you were trying to balance your drive and intellect and wanting to contribute and scientific interest and all of that with having small children and all of the constraints. Like you, you have a scene in the book where you pop into the lab on a Saturday morning and you find out that it was packed with people and that like, it was always packed with people on Saturdays and you physically like could not do that with the kids and, and your husband working and whatever. So tell me just about that time when you reflect back on, on the craziness of that moment and how you still managed to like find your way through and, and all of that. Well, you know, I was a woman of the, I grew up in the 1950s and the social environment for women, which is never easy and still is not easy, was very different then. Women were expected to get married and have children, preferably as early as possible. And I had my children at 25. That was considered old at the time. And, you know, I had interests and whatever, but there was no opportunity to do anything with them. And I kind of stumbled my way through graduate school. And the incident that you're describing was on my first teaching job at Brandeis University. And I call it the swimming pool. Of <laughs> yes. Because in one day, it ended any thought that I had of having a scientific career ended on that day. And the incident was, as you describe, my kids had swimming lessons on Saturday morning. I usually sat there with them while they were at their swimming lesson. But for some reason or other, there was a double lesson that day. And I thought, oh, they're going to be in the pool for two hours. Great. I'll go to my lab. I'll see if I can get some work done. There won't be anybody else there to bother me. I can just go in and do what I need to do. And I walked into the lab and everybody was there. And I mean everybody, <laughs> including the lab technicians and the wife of the lab director and all of the other graduate students and all of the other postdoctoral fellows. Everybody was in that lab except me. And I didn't even know that people were there on Saturday morning. And I thought, no wonder people are treating me as if I'm not getting any work done. No wonder I'm not getting any work done. You know, it was, you know, it was just this revelatory thing. And I, you know, I was there for an hour and nobody said anything, you know, anything about it in particular. But I walked out of there and thought, this is the end of my scientific career. I can't do it. I just can't do it. I had nobody to take care of my kids on Saturdays. My husband had his own career, and his career was much more important than mine. Um, we both agreed on that. He was, you know, he was an assistant professor at Harvard in a, at the medical school. Obviously, that was more important than being a female postdoc at a lab at Brandeis. And I started looking for teaching jobs. There were women. I learned later, who were able to balance lab careers and children. I wasn't one of them. I couldn't do it. You know, I've met some of them later, and they were wealthier than I was. They came from academic families. They knew how to get the kind of resources that they needed. Maybe they had more helpful husbands. I mean, that I can't say. But I was not one of them. I couldn't do it. 
And, you know, I grit my teeth and took a teaching job. I feel like some people in that moment would be discouraged and then give up, right? And say, okay, well, if I can't do it at all, but you didn't give up, you just pivoted into like a different direction, sort of like a pinball kind of, you just kept going and and found your way to the end of it anyway. I had to do what they were my children in a second marriage. So I felt responsible for them and they were my absolute first priority. You know, I was responsible for them. And then the question was, how was I going to take care of them in this situation and make sure that they were okay? And I didn't feel particularly sacrificial about it. It was, okay, this is the reality. I've got to face the reality. What do I do? And that was what I did. And I got a teaching job at Brandeis. And that, of course, turned out to be life-changing as well. Because I was handed a nutrition course to teach as part of that. And that, of course, was, you know, that opened up the whole career that I eventually had by, you know, by somehow stumbling into this course and starting to teach it and never looking back. It was like falling in love. This was the field for me. It just worked out perfectly. And I didn't stay at Brandeis much longer after that because my husband got a job in San Francisco and we moved. But I got a job in San Francisco teaching nutrition to medical students. And then everything went on from there. It just took a long time. (laughs) The title of the book is Slow Cooked. you know, an unexpected life in food politics and the slow cook part was that it took me such a long time to figure out, you know, what I could do and how I could do it. And of course, none of that happened until after my kids were grown. It's hard to do anything. It's hard to get anything done. Um, We've got a lot of sympathy for that. (laughs) Still, you realize, identified your interest in this. And then despite even more hurdles that kept coming in your way. You referenced your move to San Francisco. That was a whole nother set of obstacles. And, you know, I actually found all the politics at the different medical schools and PhD programs. Like I am not from that world at all. And so I found that absolutely fascinating, kind of horrifying, but also fascinating, you know, <laughs> the, and the things that went unsaid, like deanships and everything that you had to learn on the go, how to navigate all of that in addition to sort of everything else while still pursuing your love of the food stuff in general. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know, people who come from academic families know how academics work. And they don't have to have it laid out for them. But I really didn't. And I didn't know how to read the tea leaves. I just wasn't good enough at it. So when I took the job at the University of California, San Francisco, as my husband's trailing spouse, I didn't realize what a handicap that would be. I didn't understand that. And nobody explained it. Well, actually, one person tried to explain it to me. (laughs) But I didn't know how to hear that. The dean of one of the other schools at UCSF said, you know, you're in big trouble. You came here as your husband's wife. You don't have an independent identity here. And I remember thinking at the time, I don't know what he's talking about. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And, you know, and I'm going to do it as well as I possibly can and earn respect that way. And it never occurred to me that that was impossible under the circumstances, you know, that I could do. It didn't matter what I did. It didn't matter how well I did it. I would always be my husband's trailing spouse and would never get over that. And and as soon as the marriage broke up, which happened at the same time as a new dean came in. I had a job with a very fancy title. I was associate dean in the School of Medicine, but without any real portfolio. I mean, that was another enormously complicated thing uh, that I didn't understand very well. And as soon as all that fell apart, it fell apart instantly. It was, you know, it was another overnight thing. The dean said he was he was going to leave and take a higher up job and he was not going to take me with him. And everything fell apart instantly. And so that was when I had to really sit down, go into therapy, (laughs) try to figure out how I had gotten myself in this position where I was in my, I was about to be 50 years old and I didn't have a job and I didn't have a marriage and I didn't have a future. What was I going to do? And that was when, for the first time, I got really solid, blunt and very good advice. (laughs) Um, And that was, you know, my first experience with mentoring. I was 50 years old and um, was told, you got to resign and here's how you do it. You know, which opened up everything. I went to public health school on the basis of that. I got a job in Washington on the basis of that. I got the job at NYU, which changed everything. So for all the people out there who are 50 thinking that their life is set, That you are a living, breathing example that that is completely not the case. Just starting. It was <laughs> just beginning. You know, I mean, I was lucky enough to go to NYU with tenure as a tenured full professor. I mean, that was an extraordinary gift. And that opened up everything. So, you know, I had a big job, but I was able to do that job by then. So how do you feel being an expert on something? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it turns out I really am. <laughs> but one of the great things about being old is you, you've done a lot. So a lot has happened. And I really do know a lot about food and nutrition by now. I've been teaching it for 50 years. I should know a lot about it by now. 
I bring a lot of books and they cover a big territory. So in the area that my books cover, you know, I feel pretty confident about what I know. <laughs> and yet things keep changing. I feel like more and more, I mean, it, obviously in all those areas, but I just feel like every day there's new news about nutrition and what we should know and what we should know. And this is good for you. And this is not good and blah, blah, blah. And you have to keep up with all that and, and really plow through the myths from what is actually science. Yeah, well, one of the, one of the things that I've done is um, I write a daily blog and I've been doing it for almost 15 years. And that forces me to keep up. And it's not so much work because I post five times a week and Monday through Friday. And, you know, some of the things are frivolous and some of them are fun and some of them require a bit of work. But it forces me to keep up with what's happening in a very contemporary way. So if there's a big fuss about something going on, I'll weigh in on it. You know, I think for next week, I'm planning to do one on the full page ad that Impossible Foods had in the New York Times, which there's been an enormous fuss about because the ad is extremely dismissive of a very fine science writer who had written a big article about the processed nature of these artificial meats. And the artificial meat companies didn't like her article very much. There were things about her article that I didn't like, but <laughs> You know, I have to like everything, but it was, I think, a very thoughtful and very well-researched article. And so that's the big fuss now. So I'm going to weigh in on that. And you know, I've got a couple of other things I'm going to weigh in on as, as they come out. There's never a lack of things to write about. Yes. I mean, it's the one thing, well, not the only, but one thing we all have to do every single day right? Make these decisions and eat. And yeah, it's actually quite smart. You'll never be out of a job. <laughs> As one reporter once explained to me, if you write about food and nutrition, you have a full-time career and total job security. <laughs> it's never going to go away. So um, how do you make your own decisions? Like what did you have? What did you have for lunch today? Well, I haven't had lunch yet because okay. this has been a very heavy Zoom day. Okay. But yesterday in my office, there were small packs of lunches that were given out and I didn't eat mine. So I brought it home. I'm going to have that today. And it looks like it's tomatoes and quinoa and avocado. And I think maybe there's an egg in there somewhere. I'm not sure. <laughs> I eat according to my own principles. I would never advise anybody to follow a diet that I don't follow. But my principles are so easy to follow that Michael Pollan can do them in seven words, eat food, not too much, mostly plants. That's how <laughs> that leaves plenty of room for deliciousness, plenty of room for junk food, plenty of room for eating what I like. Um, I just try not to eat too much of it. Interesting. And obviously no processed foods. Oh, no, not no processed foods, just not very many. Okay. It's not processed, but ultra-processed. The ultra-processed. category yeah. of processed foods that are really, that make you eat too much. So I try to keep those to a minimum. If I have trouble with them, I keep them out of the house. I'm somebody who can't keep barbecued potato chips around. <laughs> so I either buy barbecued potato chips in very small packages or I don't buy them. <laughs> I know. I try not to keep this stuff in the house, but then I'm like, well, maybe. 
sometimes you just want to have them. Yeah. Sometimes I put stuff in the freezer and I'm like, oh, okay, well, this will require me to <laughs> have to we'll defrost for a while and wait. And that, never, that doesn't work either. You have to figure out how not to have so many ultra processed foods around that you can't stop eating them because there's so much evidence now that they encourage people to eat too much yes. without realizing it. So you sit there with a bag of Oreos or a bag of chips, or at least I do. And, you know, you're just, they don't take up any room. They go down easy. It's just really easy to overeat. So those are the things that it's really important to watch out for. Sugar-sweetened beverages go right into that category that includes juices as well as soft drinks, but particularly soft drinks because those are formulated and ultra-processed foods in general are formulated to be irresistible. You can't eat just one. And so, you know, that's what you want to be careful about. You know, eat your veggies. Don't eat too much. You're doing fine. <laughs> and on the book writing process, something you enjoyed doing, would never do again, loved it, want to do it again. Where do you fall on the spectrum? Well, the memoir is my 15th book. If I didn't like doing it. Well, no, I mean like writing about yourself. Or writing about myself. That was difficult. Because I mostly write nonfiction and I write about politics. And so to write about my personal connection to those things took some cognitive restructuring. It wasn't easy. But what I tried to do was to be as straightforward and as honest and as candid as I could be within some restrictions. I I have a living ex-husband on with whom I'm on very, very good terms, and I want to keep it that way. I have two living children with whom I'm on very good terms and want to keep it that way. So I didn't want to air a lot of inappropriate, dirty laundry about personal relationships. And in fact, I wasn't allowed to. One of the rules about memoir writing, and as I said, memoirs are very different from biography. One of the rules about memoir writing is you're not supposed to use them for revenge. <laughs> Lots of people break those rules. <laughs> but, um, but my editors would not let me break those rules. And in the one or two instances where I just couldn't resist revenge. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. So the other lesson is to have very wise editors. <laughs> oh, that, you know, I do my best. <laughs> They're really, really helpful. So the book is a much stronger book because it's not indulging in those kinds of things, I think. And certainly the reaction to the book has been remarkably favorable people are just enormously grateful for hearing the story because they're stuck in their own lives in positions where they just don't where they're really worried about the future and they tell me that having read my story they feel more confident about going forward that's wonderful that is wonderful i didn't expect that that is very Amazing. I didn't know it would have that kind of effect. And, and that, that's been very, very gratifying. I can see why. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for chatting about your book. I'm so glad I got a chance to read through it, to learn more about you. And yeah, I do find it really inspiring. I really do. So thank you. Well, thanks for talking to me about it. All right. It's been a pleasure. Well, go enjoy your lunch. Okay. <laughs> okay. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. 
Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.